Yeah, it was it was difficult for me. Um, you know, I was 24 years old, as you mentioned. I had just graduated college at Penn State in 2012. Uh, had started my career with Ernst and Young. I thought my life was going in the direction that I had kind of envisioned. Um, you know, Ernst and Young was the really the dream employer that I wanted to um, you know have an opportunity to work for, and had moved down to Washington D.C. Uh, with two of my really good friends from college as well, who had started uh, you know their careers and. Yeah, I tell everyone it was like within those first year and a half. I mean, that was probably the the best year and a half of my life. I was, you know, getting financially set, um, was in a new location, really enjoying what I was doing um, from you know work aspect, and then also really enjoying my personal life living in DC with you know, some of my best friends. Everyone is a stranger until you know their story. The Power of Good Intentions is a show about people, their stories, challenges they faced, and how they overcame them. This show is here to remind you that there is always a path forward and that good things happen to people who have a good heart. I am Aliu Sidibe, and I am your host. Hey, it's Aliu, and I just want to take a moment to say how much I appreciate you for listening to the show. If you find the podcast inspiring, interesting, motivating, or heartwarming, if there is one person, maybe a friend or family member who you think will appreciate the show, please take a moment and share it with them because sharing is caring and good stories are meant to be shared. Brandon Lyons is an American hero. If you have not heard of him yet, it is only a matter of time before you do so. He was born and raised in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania, in a single-parent household with his mother. As a kid, his mom taught him the value of hard work, resilience, and determination. After graduating from college in 2012, he moved to Washington, D.C. to start work with his dream employer, EY. Life was great, and everything seemed to be going smoothly. Unfortunately, though, about a year and a half later, he suffered a spinal cord injury that paralyzed the lower part of his body. This completely changed Brandon's life and everything he had ever known. But what is really fascinating about his story and what I really love is that he didn't let that stop him. He kept pursuing some of his goals and living a somewhat normal life. And he actually went above and beyond to become the first ever full-time resident hand cyclist in Team USA history. This year, one of his dreams came true. He was selected to go to the Tokyo 2020 Paralympics and show the entire world that you can achieve anything you want through hard work, resilience, and determination. I had the pleasure and the honor to interview Brandon, and I hope you will enjoy listening to this episode as much as I enjoyed making it for you. So first of all, Brandon, thank you so much for being with me today on the show. It is my pleasure having you on the podcast. You bet. Yeah, it's, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course. So first thing I wanted to ask you is, where did you grow up and what was a typical day like in your household growing up? Yeah, I grew up uh, in central Pennsylvania in a small town um, called Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. So about uh, 20 minutes outside of Harrisburg, um, central PA. And uh, grew up um, under under the supervision of my mom. So my parents were divorced when I was three years old. And then uh, I was my 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 mom was the one that raised me, um, you know, from from three years old until until I moved on to uh, you know to college and and everything else. So uh, 
we grew up together, kind of moving around to different houses along the time. But really, you know, my entire childhood was a very, very normal childhood here in the U.S. Um, was involved in a lot of sports, um, football, basketball, lacrosse, all through, you know, at the age at the age of five up until you know through college, um, was an athlete my entire life, and then really was, uh, you know, focused on you know landing that first job, and that's when I had my whole dream of. Being a kid and growing up in central Pennsylvania was I wanted to go to Penn State University. So it was about an hour and a half away from where I was born. Uh, I grew up and raised and it was kind of the dream school I wanted to attend. And I was was fortunate enough that I um, you know, had been accepted to go to Penn State. And then while I was at Penn State, um, I had studied uh, supply chain and logistics and then had graduated in 2012 uh, with an opportunity to start my career at Ernst Young. Got it. And so uh, just to go back a little bit to your childhood, so you mentioned your parents divorced when you were three. Was that kind of a big impact on your life growing up? And one other thing I want to understand is like, what were some of the early belief systems that you had in your life that were driving you forward? So you mentioned one of your dream was to like go to Penn State. Did you have like any major you wanted to study? Like how did you envision your life early on? Sure. Yeah, I mean, just going back to the divorce, um, you know, I was three years old. So at that time, I, I, I really didn't comprehend everything that was going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, my family was still close enough. So my dad was in Philadelphia, which was about a two hour drive from where I was living with my mom. So it was, it was a long distance relationship at that time. And kind of growing up, it, again, early on, it didn't impact me as much until I kind of could, could come to grasp of everything. Um, typically as I was going into to middle school and in high school, um, you know, my, the way that, you know, our arrangement was set up is I, I spent, um, you know, most of the time with my mom and then every other weekend I would go down and visit my dad. So, um, that was where it started to kind of, kind of have more of an impact and I could see, um, you know, the, the relationship that my mom and dad had, um, and trying as I, I, I think for them, they were trying as best for it not to impact me, right? So they tried to keep me out of the middle of it, um, which I'm very, very grateful for because there were times where it was difficult and was challenging, um, you know, being split both ways. Um, but yeah, I, again, I think early on, it was, it, it was so early that it happened that it, was, it made the transition a little bit easier. Um, right. Rather, if I was older when it happened, it would have been a little bit more challenging to actually accept it. So it seems like even when things were not so great at home, sport was kind of an escape for you. Can you kind of talk about the role that sport played in your life early on? Yeah, I don't think early on. I think I just got involved uh, through my parents. Both my parents were athletes, you know, growing up, so they were involved in it. Um, and then for me, I, I had hopped around to a few different schools and sports, particularly team sports, was a great opportunity to meet, you know, some of the new students. And um, I I think with my dad being an athlete and his whole family on that side being an athlete, um, it it definitely pushed me to go into athletics. Um, And and also, I mean, I just really loved sports. I mean, that was a a, sports was very important and a a critical piece of my life growing up at that age. Got it. So in 2014, your life changed forever. You were 24 years old, just starting your career at EY, and you had a spinal cord injury that changed, completely changed the trajectory of your life. 
can you kind of walk us through what was going on in your head when that happened? And what did you feel on in the moment when that happened? Yeah, it was, it was difficult for me. Um, you know, I was 24 years old, as you mentioned. I had just graduated college at Penn State in 2012. Uh, had started my career with Ernst Young. I thought my life was going in the direction that I had kind of envisioned. Um, you know, Ernst Young was the really the dream employer that I wanted to, um, you know, have an opportunity to work for. And uh, in 2013, I had uh, had an internship with them and then came back to my for my senior year of college and, and had accepted a full-time offer. So I was really just getting, you know, prepared for, for what my career was going to look like. I had moved down to Washington, D.C. Uh, with two of my really good friends from college as well who had started, uh, you know, their careers. And you know, I tell everyone it was like within those first year and a half, I mean, that was probably the the best year and a half of my life. I was, you know, getting financially set, um, was in a new location, really enjoying what I was doing um, from, you know, work aspect. And then also really enjoying my personal life living in DC with you know, some of my best friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it wasn't until uh, May 24th, 2014, I was down at the beach uh, with those two friends and um, some of my coworkers and um, I had mistakenly dove into shallow water. So I was on a pier and I, The first time I had jumped into the water and uh, mistakenly dove in, the water was about three feet deep. Um, I'm six three, so you can kind of just wow. tell the impact right there. But uh, you know, when I dove in, I immediately knew the severity of what happened. Um, you know, I immediately just lost all sensation, didn't have the ability to stand up. Um, so I was just sitting there in the water, and um, then was airlifted out uh, to the shock trauma center in Baltimore, Maryland, where we went through uh, the surgery for the next day. Were your friends around with you then when that happened? They were, yeah. And, and I think that, you know, their initial thought was, you know, I was joking. I remember I looked up at both of them who were, who were on the pier there and just told them that I couldn't stand. I needed you to pull me out. And mm-hmm. uh, at first, I think their initial reaction was, yeah, I'm sure just get up. Um, and, and then until whenever they saw, you know, the seriousness in my, in my face, you know, just telling them I really can't stand, I need you to pull me out, um, is when they immediately got help. Uh, and then I was escorted out of the water, um, and then went to a nearby parking lot where the helicopter came and then airlifted me to the hospital. Wow. And what were, you know, so I, I guess you were taken to the hospital and you had a surgery right away. Oh, how did it happen? Yeah, it was difficult. So it was an interesting situation because uh, so the the helicopter came and I was to be airlifted to the shock trauma center in Baltimore, Maryland. So a really large and pristine uh, hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, but unfortunately, the helicopter that came didn't have enough gas to get me to What? the main hospital. <laughs> yeah. So we had to stop and refuel at a smaller hospital in Salisbury, Maryland. So it was a smaller beach hospital. And were and, you feeling pain while all of this was happening, or like you? Right. You say you lost all uh, a sensation, but were you like in pain when? Yeah, it was really interesting. So I was never in pain up to this point, and I was I was fully aware, and uh, you know, I didn't lose consciousness up until this point. Hmm. Um, it wasn't until we had pulled off at that uh, you know small hospital in Salisbury where they had to refuel, but during the refueling process, they wanted to check vitals and. Uh, you know, Do all of that. So that's when I was then brought out of the um, brought out of the helicopter, then into the hospital to to do that to do those medical checks. And that's whenever the medication that they were then 
pumping into me, um, you know, really took place. So from there on, you know, the next thing I remember is waking up in Baltimore, Maryland, you know, surrounded by my family and friends. Wow. Wow. And you say that was during Memorial Day weekend? It was, yep. And how long did it take you after this point to kind of get back to your normal life, to like going back to work at EY and, you know, doing... Sure. Yeah. For me, it was, I was trying to, you know, get back that sense of normalcy, you know, with a spinal cord injury. When I remember the doctor came in and said, you have about a 1% chance you're ever going to walk again. And I was 24 years old. And just hearing that news from the doctor uh, was, okay, well, you didn't say 0%. So, you know, you gave me that opportunity that, you know, there's a chance. So mm-hmm. I wanted to take everything. Mm-hmm you know, all of that hope that I had a chance. Um, and whether that was walking again or just getting back to some type of, of normalcy, um, you know, that was the way I was going to recover and just kind of deal with the situation moving forward. Um, so I really wanted to get back that sense of normalcy as quickly as possible and really become independent as possible again. I think that was the biggest challenge for me early on is whenever you lose your independence of being such a such an independent, you know, person your entire life growing up, yeah. setting these goals of the state and getting a career and all of these things. And then for it to be taken away within, you know, just a matter of seconds, um, you know, really put a different perspective on, on things. Um, so I, I really wanted to do anything I possibly could to, to get that independence again. And, you know, one of the ways of getting that independence again was, you know, moving forward, you know, back with Ernst & Young, you know, how could I get back in full time? And I remember when I was in the hospital, my, my parents looked at me and were like, you know, you're very fortunate, um, you know, that you work for the employer that you work for, because, you know, if, if we were in your shoes, we wouldn't have a job right now. You know, whenever I was, whenever I was in the hospital, uh, actually the, the director of recruiting who hired me at Ernst & Young was there that same day. So, you know, it really speaks volumes to the people. Wow. Yeah. And everything, um, you know, from Ernst & Young for them to be there. And, you know, that, that continued throughout my stay at the hospital for the next month. I had different partners and, um, you know, people from my different teams that were coming in just to check on me, which, which really meant a lot. But it was for me that, you know, how could I get back and just continue on in my career? I was, I was so young. I was just uh, a year and a half into my career. And then it was, quote unquote, going to stop. So um, yeah. I, I, didn't, I didn't want that to be impacted. So. Uh, it was just four months from the injury until I came back full time. Uh, they were very, very flexible, you know, with what I needed at that time. I was still recovering from the injury, so I was doing all my work remotely. Um, you know, had flexibility with with how my day was structured, so I could still go to you know rehab within within the mornings or afternoons. So. Um, Ernst Young did a great job. They already had that infrastructure in place that they were able to support someone, you know, in that situation. Yeah. You know, one thing that I, I, I want to, you know, kind of even thank you for and that I find extraordinary in your story is that first, I mean, just the fact that you now told me that the doctor said you had 1% chance. And while some people may look at it as I have 99% chance of not working, you looked at the 1% and were like, there is hope. And not only that, but you use this entire experience to kind of like start your life over again. And you, you, you went on to become like the first ever full-time residence hand cyclist in Team USA history for the Paralympics. So I think, you know, this speaks volume to your character and to the type of person you are, who instead of giving up in face of adversity, you keep 
pushing and keep going. And one thing I want to understand first is how did you get there to like that type of mindset? Because I think this is very rare. What allowed you to think this way? And if someone, you know, in the audience could take away some principles that that can help them, like what, what would those principles be? Yeah, for me, honestly, I think it was just the way that I was raised, um, you know, seeing all of the the work that my mom put into, you know, supporting me from a single, you know, from a single parent, um, you know, she just instilled hard work and dedication within me from a very early age. Um, so I, I began working, you know, the first, the first day that I could when I turned 15 years old in Pennsylvania. So it was once we got the minimum, the minimum age requirements, uh, you know, I went out and got a job and then wanted to buy my first car and, you know, bought my first car from the work, from, you know, my work when I was 15 and then wanted to make it to college. So it was kind of always setting those goals, I think is one of those, one of those pieces that I took away from it. But, you know, whenever I was kind of set with this adversity, it wasn't, really something that I just thought it was kind of just the way that I was already wired. Um, I think so I was just kind of used to that. But, but honestly, I think for me too, it was really just perspective. And I tell everyone this story that I was in the inpatient um, you know, hospital and we were down in this rec room and I, I saw a young woman, she was probably around my age at that time, like mid twenties. And she was in a full electric wheelchair. She had uh, no use of her upper body. Um, the way that she got around was with a with a small sip and puff straw. So she would blow into the straw and that would move the wheelchair. Um, so she was on a ventilator and, and and needed help breathing. Was completely dependent on on people and equipment. And when I was speaking with her, you know, she had a very similar story to myself. She dove into shallow water, broke her neck, and then became a quadriplegic. Um, and, and, and it was right at that time when I, I looked at myself and you know, I, I kind of had that, that moment where, you know, perspective really came in where I was like, that easily could have been me. So really be grateful for what you do have rather than what you don't have. Wow. Because as I started to talk to people, you know, throughout the years, you know, early on in my injury and then following my injury as well was, you know, you're always going to look at that next person that's just right above you that has maybe just a little bit more than you. And just wish you had that, you know, whether it was a, a different job or a relationship or, you know, whatever it might be. I think it's just human nature to just kind of want just a little bit more. And, 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 it, and it honestly isn't even a lot. It could just be a little bit. So I, I think I think just gaining that perspective early on, um, you know, has really helped me kind of overcome overcome everything. And then honestly, since I've been through this now, it's like, I, I'm almost used to the chaos and then used to the disruption. So when, when something does happen and I, I am faced with, with any type of adversity, um, yeah, it's, it, that to me is almost a type of normalcy, right? Like every single day I'm dealing with some type of adversity. So, um, yeah. depending on how big the challenge is, you know, it's just another day. Yeah. I love it. I love it. So for you it's mainly about, you know, Keeping perspective of, you know, where you are in life. Because, like, you know, someone could always have have it worse. And you have to kind of be grateful for what you already have. Right. And I, and I love this because there is a thing that I learned actually recently by Malcolm Gladwell where he says that we tend to compare ourselves more to the people that are around us than, you know, keeping that global perspective of, like, hey, you know, I'm actually here. First of all, I had the chance to even be taken to a hospital. Let's say you were... I'm from Mali, West Africa, and let's say 
you were that happened there and then there were like no helicopter or no nowhere no, no no hospital close to where it happened you know things could have been worse and the issue is like as we said we humans we tend to kind of compare ourselves to like a small circle but when you keep that perspective of even where you're in life you know having like your parents said being uh, able to work for uh, someone like uh, so at some place like EY which takes care of you uh, was really helpful so you were accepted into Team USA, right? Three years after that. Correct. Were you into the cycling world before deciding to pursue this? Or were you mainly just playing basketball and other sport? What made you choose this sport? Yeah, so my entire life, as I mentioned, you know, prior to the injury was really a team sport-oriented guy. So uh, I played basketball, football, lacrosse, and then played lacrosse through college. Um, and then when the accident happened, it was, it was actually getting ready to run my first marathon. So uh, I, I wanted to kind of get into the endurance sports world, but just recreationally. I just wanted to check off that I ran a marathon and kind of just check it off the bucket list. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had began training uh, for the Marine Corps Marathon in D.C., which was going to take place October of 2014. Um, and then the accident happened in May of 2014. So that kind of put a halt to, you know, an opportunity to complete the marathon. Mm-hmm. Um, but while I was in the hospital, uh, I had received a bike through a fundraiser that my family and friends put on and got my first hand cycle. So when I was discharged from the hospital, uh, just a month after the injury, took the bike out for the first time. And it was a way just to get active again and to, you know, start to start to build up the different muscles and an opportunity to recover that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember the first time I took it out, I mean, I, I nearly hated it. It was impossible just to get out of the driveway, um, you know, using different muscle groups and, and still just still your body recovering from this traumatic injury that you just dealt with. Yeah. Um, but then it wasn't until that second time that I took it out uh, just a week later and I went and did 20 miles. And when I left that day of riding 20 miles, I had this idea that, you know, if I'm able to, you know, ride 20 miles within a week where I couldn't even get out of the driveway, you know, I'm going to be able to, you know, accomplish anything that I put my mind to. So I had contacted uh, the Marine Corps Marathon and had told them my situation and my story. I saw they had a hand cycle division. So I had asked, could you switch my registration over from a runner into the hand cycle division? And they were extremely supportive, um, you know, loved, this, loved the story, loved the opportunity. So in October, uh, just five months after I was hurt, went down and completed the first marathon. So that was kind of my first introduction to the sport. Um, but really then for the next couple of years, probably for the next two years, um, I, I, I just rode recreationally here and there. Uh, was still really focused on, you know, working at Ernst & Young, but really how can I get any type of recovery back from this injury? So I was just fully involved and invested into the rehabilitation side of it. So, you know, for those next two years, I did that and uh, had relocated out to San Diego. And it wasn't until when I was in San Diego uh, in 2016, uh, I met a guy named David Bailey, who was a prior Ironman champion and um, wow. who, who does ultra, ultra triathlons. And uh, but prior, uh, he was a world, uh, world champion um, in motocross. And he sustained and he sustained a spinal cord injury, so very similar to me, around the same level, um, but from an accident on the motorcycle. So we were able to cross paths and meet, and then he was really pushing me to bring my hand cycle off to San Diego, and uh, you know really started to ride with him. And he kind of took me under his wings as a mentor and was was kind of pushing me to 
you know, you have an opportunity to be, to be really good in the sport if you want to, if you want to go down that path. And, uh, you know, I really just started to fall in love with the sport and, and really started to find a passion and a purpose in it. And, uh, you know, then a, a year later had an opportunity to, to go out to the training center in Colorado Springs to, to try out for the team. And, uh, and that was in March of 2017. And then in, May of 2017. So the interesting part about how my whole story comes full circle was on May 24th, 2017, I moved into the Olympic Training Center. Um, so three years to the exact date of my injury was really where my Paralympic journey started with Team USA. And now I guess you were then accepted to compete in the Tokyo 2020 Olympics, which have now been moved to next year. One thing that I that I'm hearing throughout your story is that you had key people that were always here during this challenging time. First, you had your family, then you had your friends who were there with you the day it happened. Then you had EY, and then you met uh, randomly this uh, David Haley. Is David that, Bailey. David Bailey. Bailey. Yep. Thank you. David Bailey who then inspired you to kind of like uh, keep going forward. So who are some other people that you are grateful for and that kind of like shift, helped you shift your perspective during this time? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, my family, as I mentioned, um, you know, I saw the the investment that, you know, they put into to supporting me. Um, and it, it really, I think this injury was, it was very eye-opening as well, because, you know, it, it didn't only impact me, it impacted, you know, everyone that I was close to. And that, you know, really was my family. Um, and to, to see all the effort, you know, and investment that they put in, what, how, whether it was, you know, remodeling the house to make it accessible for me because I had to move back into my parents' house for the first year. Um, or, you know, just being there every step of the way as I was, try, you know, trying to navigate this, this, new, this new normal. Um, you know, they were there with me, you know, through the really hard times and then have been there now through the really bright times, you know, seeing success on the bike and, you know, my work at Ernst & Young. So it's been, it's been really good that way. Um, I've met a lot of people, particularly, you know, I think, it's good to be, you know, surrounded by people that are going through or have gone through similar situations to yourself. So I um, was fortunate enough that I met people that were, you know, mentors in the rehab center. So um, as I was going through my rehabilitation, you know, there were different uh, patients who would come back in who, you know, maybe sustained a spinal cord injury a few years back and now we're coming in to mentor people, and, you know, really to just talk to to newly injured folks and just let them know that, you know, there is a purpose and there is a new world. You're going to be able to really enjoy and do anything that you want to. It's just going to be different. Um, there was a guy named Cody Wills who was just early on, you know, teaching me, you know, how to navigate life in a wheelchair, get in and out of your car and, you know, do all of these sort of things. Mm -hmm. And it, it's been neat to see that too, you know, come back full circle because, you know, that particular individual, he was helping me most when I needed it early on. And then just last year, you know, he was seeing all of my success and the things that, you know, cycling has, has taken me around the world and provided a lot of opportunities to me. Mm -hmm. um, so he was actually very interested in, in getting into cycling and would ask me questions about, you know, equipment and races and how do I get involved? And, um, you know, it was, was kind of, we kind of flipped roles then where I was kind of mentoring him. And then he went to his first national championships last year and then now wow. has been training full time to, to try to make the team as well, um, you know, as we look to Paris in 2024. So it's been, it's been exciting to kind of see, 
you know, opportunities to, to give back to people that have supported and provided, you know, so much support to Mural. I love it. I love it. It seems like everything is kind of coming back full circle. And now it's your turn to also in, uh, inspire uh, people coming after you. Uh, I want to ask you, what is next for you uh, in terms of both your professional life and your personal life? Yeah, so for me, it's been interesting these past three years, you know, when I had the opportunity to move out to the training center in Colorado Springs um, and really go after this goal of making it to Tokyo 2020, sort of making it to the games in 2020, um, you know, I, I had to, you know, step back. So I was, I was working full time for Ernst and Young prior to 2017. And then this opportunity presented itself. And I really wanted to, you know, give everything I had to this goal. So, um, you know, I, had difficult conversations with Ernst and Young about, you know, needing a little bit more flexibility and, uh, you know, kind of talked to them about this opportunity that was presented to myself. And, uh, they were, they were able to provide me a flexible work arrangement where I worked, uh, part-time around my training schedule. So as I moved into the training center in 2017, you know, I was working, I was working about 24 hours a week and then training on a full-time basis, just using all the facilities here about 40 hours a week, you know, seven days a week. So it was, it was difficult at the time to balance it. But then once as I kind of made a routine, uh, you know, I was able to manage that much better. So I did that for the past three years. And then uh, actually just this past month, um, I transitioned back to Ernst Young full-time. Um, you know, as they're going through a lot of the disruptions here with COVID, they were, were looking for a little bit of additional support. Mm -hmm. um, and just with the stay-at-home orders and everything like that, and then with the games being postponed a, a, a full year to 2021, uh, it provided me an opportunity to not only you know support the team, but then you know support my career as well. Um, so we're navigating through that. You know that that was a big change um, just with the games postponement and to get back to full time to see you know can we manage both? You know I don't want to see my athletics. Um, you know, performance slip or be hindered, particularly as we we head into the games year next year. But um, you know, just looking to manage both. And right now, it's been a it's been a really good um, you know opportunity that way. Mm -hmm. And then, obviously, from the athletic standpoint, it's it's just preparing for twenty twenty one. So, unfortunately, because of uh, you know the coronavirus, um, the games have been postponed. So they, this is going to be my first opportunity at going to the Olympics, Paralympics. Um, and then with the, with the postponements, you know, obviously things have changed, but, uh, you know, the, the way I looked at it again is just, it's just another disruption, right? So a lot of yeah. athletes and, and people looked at it as, you know, the kind of like that, that, that negative perspective of, you know, we were so close to the games now it's gone. And then yeah. for me, it was just the uncertainty. And then now that I know, uh, you know, I, I flipped the switch easily and said, I have a year to get faster and stronger. Wow. Um, so kind of looking at that lens I, I love your mindset so much man like I, I really do like this this is amazing like you see like you, you started working a month ago and you, you don't see this entire coronavirus disruption as like something bad but more like an like an opportunity to rise right and, and I love it so much one uh, last question I have for you is when you're 80 years old and you look back at the life of Brandon Lyons. What will what will make you say that your life was successful? Yeah, that's you know, a really good question. Um, I always said like early on, like people would say, you know, you're an inspiration, and you know, 
I like that, but I, I if, if, if you're just saying it and it doesn't actually impact your life, like if you actually don't make a change, um, well then I'm not really inspiring you. So if, if I could truly make a change or an impact in one person's life, something. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm honestly really looking to, you know, try to propel in the sport. I, I've really found my, my, really think I found my purpose. Um, as I kind of navigated this opportunity with Team USA. So if, if I could, you know, get that medal at Tokyo 2020 games, you know, my, my whole opportunity was I wanted to try to expand my my athletic career up until the LA games in 2028. So again, being full circle of having it here on the home soil of the United States to, to try to end that athletic career here in the US um, would mean a lot to me, but, but again, I mean, it, 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 if I could impact someone's life, you know, as I've seen so many times throughout my journey early on, the people that have, you know, made an impact in, in my life and the way that I've, you know, been able to to go along this journey and, you know, still have success both professionally and personally, um, it means a lot. So if I could do that to someone and kind of help that next generation, um, that would mean a lot to me. So the impact for you, the way you define it is for someone to actually take action after they hear your story, not only just saying that, yeah, you inspired me. Right. Yeah. I want to get someone off the couch rather than be inspired by the idea that I'm doing. Yeah. But you're still sitting on the couch. I want you to get up. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. I mean, well, Brandon, you know, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Thank you for being on the show. You know, your life is an inspiration and that is the least I can say. Thank you for being so open and genuine about your life story. I know that it inspired me and I know that it will hopefully inspire some other people. One thing I want to ask you is if anyone from the audience wants to reach out to you, what is the best way to do so? Yeah, so you can follow me um, on Instagram. Uh, my handle is at iron.lions. It's I-R-O-N dot L-Y-O-N-S. Facebook, Brandon Lyons. Um, LinkedIn, Brandon Lyons. I would say those are probably the easiest, easiest channels to reach out. Okay, perfect. I'll make sure to add that to the notes of the show. Perfect. Thank you so much, man. 